morning, church family. Well, hello. You kids at this time may be dismissed to the back here with Miss Molly waving at you there. That's what's fun about having the kids is they respond. They know what this is. So did you take their cue? How are you doing this morning, church family? Hey, all right. See, this we're going to get along good. Uh, Pastor Luke, if you don't know, and most of you are on Facebook, and no, I'm not on Facebook, but he's in Israel traveling around. We're praying that he'll be back Wednesday. He'll be back up next Sunday. All goes well. And uh, so keep up with him on Facebook. He is posting pictures and things that he's seeing and doing. Uh, but does anybody else know what today is? Thanks, John. It is Sunday. Somebody let John know where he is, though. He only... <laughs> uh, yeah, somebody said, yeah, I can't say the name because then they'll shut us off of live because it's a coin term. So we're going to call it a, a great bowling party. Yeah, so in that, this morning I said there's 46 guys that are going to dress on one team, but it's actually like 54 guys on each. Anyway, somebody corrected me. There's over 100 men going to put on some uniforms, and they're going to go out and push a pigskin down a yard. And you know what's going to happen? They are going to give their all. All of their heart. All of their mind. All of their strength. Everything they got. Their knees, their backs, their concussions, their broke teeth, whatever. Fingers going sideways. They're going to give it their all. Anybody of you know that? If we as a church could grasp that kind of love, give your all to be all in. I mean, there's fans that have been there since last week out in the park. Can you imagine if our church was just this parking lot? Just, we got to get in on Sunday, man. And you come in and you guys got your face painted. And I mean, they're excited about a pigskin going down a yard. And then some of you are like Morris at 8 o'clock. He says if you won't let him play, he won't watch. <laughs> so if you see Morris at the Super Bowl, watch out. But uh, you know, he's 85, so he won't. And some of you don't even care, right? That who cares what's going on? Here's for some of you. You know what today is? The last chance that Matt can get Valentine's Day stuff. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day, guys. I'm just calling it. He got some bags from Five Below, but... Today's the last day, guys. All right, don't get her leftover nachos from the game. Maybe chicken wings and a rose? Now we're talking. That's, that's high class. Okay. Are you all missing Pastor even more right now? <laughs> we haven't even kicked off. All right, uh, don't raise your hand to that. Uh, I get the joy to serve Jesus here and telling you about the greatest love but it's been, like, really hard. I, I, I can picture it like this. To tell you about God's love is like me going down to Florida, looking at the ocean, grabbing a cup of water, and coming back and just trying to splash you in the face. This is what the ocean's like. And you're like, huh? When we dive into God's love, understand that it's unsearchable. And, and I'm, I've been trying all week. 
to explain God's love. But what I love about it is love has an object. And it's you and me. And then love is an action. And we get to see it on the cross. And he gave all. And so when we dive in to talk about the greatest love, church, we know it. We know Jesus. And then Jesus challenges us as his people to get that love and to hand it out. So we're kind of, this is like a day to come and really compare yourself to Jesus. Aren't you glad you showed up? Because guess what? That's God's standard. And when I put Seth Bowker right there, I got a, I got a long way to go. But here's the, here's the easy thing. I can compare myself to anyone else but Jesus, and I'm doing a bang-up job. But that's not what God's standard for me is. It's Jesus. And so he challenges us. He says in 1 Corinthians, who we haven't even got there, but 13, you can read if you want, it says that you could have all the knowledge. All of it. You can have all the knowledge, but if you don't have love, you have Nothing. I could have prophetic powers in all of them. I could have all the prophetic powers. I could speak in tongues of men and of angels. And if I don't have love, I... Nothing. It says that I could give away all of my stuff. Give away everything I've got and give my body to be burned. But if I don't have love, I have nothing. The greatest spiritual gift we have, church, is love. And we're going to come in here and challenge. God's going to hopefully challenge our hearts. Are we giving out that love? So as we dive into the greatest love, which is Christ, let's stand as we read John 13. John 13, I'm going to actually start in verse 31, and then I'll get down to the screens at 34 and 35, which is our focus. So John 13, 31 says, When he had gone out, Jesus now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children... Yet a little while, and I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then flip over to chapter 15, verses 12 and 13, says this, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your presence We thank you that we have worshipped you above all things, Lord, both in our hearts, in our lives. Now, Father, just drench us with your Holy Spirit. 
Guide us into all truth. And Lord, may we glorify you for your great love. And may we learn to live it out and to give it out freely as we have found it freely in you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So I mentioned when we come to the love of God and the love of the Father, it, I'm going to just throw and try and drench you with any portion, but I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will just let you dive into his real love. And it's a beautiful thing. And understand that as we read chapter 13 and 15 right here in John, this is the last, maybe max, six hours of Jesus's life. Okay, between John 13 and all the way at the end of John, that's the last six hours of his life. And in chapters 1 through 12, he says love 12 times. We get to the last six hours between chapter 13 and like the 20th chapter when he's on the cross. He says love over 44 times in the last six hours of his life. It's important. It's important because he also, this is also when Judas leaves, like they're all, you know, they, Jesus washed their feet, and then he has communion with them, the Lord's Supper, and then Judas leaves, and then it's a celebration. And right away, he's like, all right, now I want to tell you guys about love. Like, get, get that guy out of here, and now I'm going to talk to you straight. It's always amazing to me that Jesus washed his feet, and he celebrated communion with him, even the guy that was going to betray him. Did he love? Yes. You can say even chapter 13 begins with, and he loved them till the end. He loved even the one, right, that you just wouldn't even want to hang out with. Okay, that's for free. God's given me that standard of love, which is Christ. So now when we come to understand that Jesus is speaking to his disciples, look at verse 34 with me. He says he gives them a new commandment. I give you this new commandment. And I can tell you that for some of us, we think new as in never been said before, but it's not new as in that because Leviticus tells the Jewish people to love their neighbors as they love themselves. So this isn't new. What is new about this commandment is that Jesus actually, when he preached and when he shared the Samaritan's parable, that he was challenging his disciples to love even their enemy. Got me? I mean, it's great to love those who love you, Jesus says, but if you love those who love you, you're doing nothing more than what sinners do. Right? Or if you make a big feast and they come and they eat your food and you love on them that love you, even sinners and tax collectors do that. But when you make a feast, invite the unlovable, invite those that can't pay you back, do something good, that's love. So this new isn't something that is expounding, but what is expounding on it in new is the way he says it. To love each other as Jesus has loved you. Did you hear it? See, it said, love your neighbor as yourself, right? 
We even go to Matthew 35 where the lawyer says, Jesus, what's the great commandment? He says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others as you what? Love your... Jesus changed it. How am I to love others? Okay, we've got to read it again, class. Here we go. You ready? Love each other as who has loved you. Okay. Some of us have it. I'm to love others as Jesus loves you. How are you doing? Here's the standard. Here's Seth. It changed the game. I cannot love you with the same love that Jesus has. Do you understand that? That's impossible for Seth Bowker to do it. I have to say, okay, Jesus, will you, through me, love them with the same love you have? And now he says, yep, now you're getting it. I cannot. He tells us, and this is his command. Church, this is his command to love each other as he. It checks my heart. I don't do well. <laughs> I haven't done well for a long time. I remember uh, my granny, she had a statement when I'd be honorary but I haven't been honoring a couple weeks, so I'm doing pretty good. I'd, uh, she hated it when you flicked her chin right up under here. She was about 75, and I was 10, so of course, that's, you know, right? I'm going to flick Granny under her chin. And she'd just grab my hand, and she'd say, God love you, Seth. <laughs> and I, I realize now as an adult that now that I have my own kids and they're poking my button, it was more of a statement of, right now, I don't love you, but God love you, Seth, right? I'm going to strangle you, though. God's going to love you as soon as you get there, right? It's <laughs> Thinking about how she would make that statement, God love you, and I think that's it. There are people in our life that I could say, or in all of our lives, and I could say in my own life, like, Lord, it's hard to love them. And he goes, good, get a hold of Christ's love for them, and now go. Whew. It's hard to give out what you don't know. It's hard to give out what you don't have. So I would say if we're going to do like a game, the kickoff, the kickoff for every life in this world is to get with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and he's not living in you, there's no way you could even come close to living to this command. You would give yourself over, just like Corinthians says, you would give yourself over to the poor to be burned and gain absolutely nothing. I need Christ to live in me, through me, just to love. Do you know what? I don't even know how to love my wife right. I need Christ to love her through me. How am I supposed to love her? Jesus said it. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. 
I don't know how to do that. Okay, so God, I'm supposed to die for her? Okay, where's the bus? Because I'm going to try and push her out of the way, right? Or push her into it, whichever day it is. I don't know, right? I need Jesus to love her through me, but do I love her enough just to stand in front of the kitchen sink for her? To put myself aside? And not go do what I want to do, but to serve her? I don't know how. But Christ can do it through me, and same with every person in here. Every single one of us knows the love of Christ. If we've been with him, if he saved our soul, because his greatest love was the cross. The kickoff for the life, if you don't know him, is getting a hold of Jesus. The high calling and the high standard of this love can only be through. If you read John 15, which is where we are, 13 and 15, verse 9 says, without Christ we can do nothing. You get that, church, with me? I am to love every single person around me, every relationship, my family, my children, my own house, the community, the church, but without Christ, apart from Him, I can do nothing. I'm desperate. I'm a desperate man, desperate for Jesus to live out in me, or I'm going to ruin every single thing that I hold dear in my life. So if we're back to the football analogy, that salvation, let's go to the next one. Flip with me to chapter 15, verse 12 and 13, and we're getting there. He says it again. So this is what? An hour goes by, and he said, this is my commandment. And now in verse 12, he says it again. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And then here it is. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Greater love. Do you know that greatest love? God sent Jesus Christ down here on a rescue plan for every soul, and he laid his life down. He says a body that God had prepared for him for this very moment. He stepped out of heaven, out of glory, laid his crown, everything he was. He laid it aside. He put skin on. He became a man, and when he found himself in the form of a man... He said he became nothing, a servant to all. He became obedient even to death and death on a cross. Why? To rescue this sinner. And because God so loved the world that he sent him to show his great love for the whole world. Do you know that love? Some of you are smiling. Some of you are thinking... The greatest love of all time. I was toying, I was going to call that the message, the goat, you know, greatest love of all time, or greatest of all time. And then goat love, greatest of all time, but that didn't go well. Thanks, Jenny, for your help. But it really is the greatest love this world would ever know is Jesus Christ. He loves your heart. 
your soul and who you are and sin has separated us from that great love and so he died on the cross to pay for sin for me and Jesus is sitting around here talking to his disciples he's talking to 11 of them because the 12th one he still loved him but he wasn't there he's talking to 11 disciples and he says hey greater love has no one this than man to lay down his life for his friends and you know what he's talking to his friends but you know what when he talks to me you know what I was Romans 5.8 says, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. While I was still his enemy, he died for me. While I was far away and way off from even knowing God, he died for me. He didn't just lay his life down for his friends. He laid it down for his enemies. And we know that greatest love. And he said he did it for us. Enemies. And he says, now that you know it, give it out. How am I doing? God is putting us into refining fire and shaping us and molding us or a potter and a clay, however you want to look at it. And he's molding us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ to where that's all the world sees in his church. is Jesus' love. And that's what a dying world wants to know, that there's a love that would rescue them. No matter how depraved they are, no matter how low they are, no matter how cast off they've been, no matter how much of an enemy they've been, that that God would call them to the cross. So this is what I'd say salvation is the kickoff. Then baptism is the play-by-play. Okay? And I'm going to qualify that now. Galatians 2.20. You turn there. We had to do it at 8 o'clock. I'm going to try and meet computer it for you. That's my brain. Sorry, I'm not in refuge. That's what we call it in junior high. I am maturing, by the way. Galatians 2.20. Paul says that he has been crucified with Christ. That the life that he lives in the flesh, he no longer lives for himself, but Christ lives through him. And he's still alive. Do you get that, church? That's our motto. That's our mission. The life that I live, I no longer live. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I, but Christ living through me that the one who died for me could have my life I could be the conduit for his love see that's baptism we want to say it's the certificate we get when we do that but it's actually the play by play feet hit the ground alright Lord here's a new day Let me be united with Christ in his death. So that today, I could be united in a resurrection like yours, and you would live through me. You got me? Baptism is the play-by-play. And you know what? Here's the playbook. Which one do I need right now? 
Oh, you're at home with your wife? This is what you do. Here's the play. Put it into practice. Okay, Lord, here, I'm going to serve her. Dang it, that backfired. Give me another play. Okay. <laughs> I always do it wrong. If we could pray that as a church, to live that as a people, it would change our homes, it would change our church, our community, to see people saying, I no longer live. I've been crucified. And you can look it up. You can Google crucified with Christ. He says it again and again. I have crucified the passions of this flesh to the cross so that I may know Christ. He says it over and over. That's the standard. How am I doing? Because when God lays Jesus and Seth Bowker side by side, he's got some work to do. He's got to get out the chisel and the hammer and break some stone and break off some stubborn and some ornery so that he can form Jesus more and more into me. It's the greatest love I've ever known. It sounds like, why would you do that willingly? You don't know the intimacy that you get to step on between the Father and the Son and live in you. It's so cool when God uses us. So we got baptism. Here's the next thing. 1 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. I'm going to read it to you. You can write it down or turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves. But for him who for their sake died and was raised. This greater love that we know is also calling each heart out to lay it down. That we who know this great love would no longer live for ourselves, but would live for the one that called us out and showed us and gave us his Holy Spirit in order to live it out. See, because I can't do it alone. I can't do it without him. I can do nothing without him, but... Through him, I can do all things. All right. If salvation is the kickoff, baptism is the play-by-play, the word is our playbook, and when we come to communion, it's time out. Time out, church. Here's Jesus. Where are you? Where are you? Corinthians tells us to pause, time out, look, examine your hearts, because we're about to partake of the greatest love, the communion between the Father and the Son. We get to commune with that love between them. Read John 17. We've done it before. Verse 32. It tells us 
that God is going to love us with the same love that he loves Jesus. And we're going to step in and commune with that love. The greatest love that we could ever know and ever experience and ever have, church. We know it. And we're going to stop and we're going to pause and we're going to say, and Lord, how am I doing? Help me examine my heart. It says, pray, examine your heart. See if you're willing to even partake of this great love. Before we partake, though, the challenge for each heart is to walk in love, church, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice. Walk in that love. And he says, they will know you by your love. They're going to know us. An ancient writer wrote how Romans would send out spies to the early Christian church. And these spies would come back and they would say, they worship in an empty room. There's no idol. They're in an empty room. And whoever this Jesus is, they love him so much that it's like he's there and almost ready to walk in the door. And they love him so much that they love each other in this weird way. They give up stuff for each other. And they report like they're weird. They have a love that we've never seen. Okay, that's what I'm going to pray. That you guys would be weird with the love. That the world is still longing for. He challenges us again. Let this love be genuine among you. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. And let the love of Christ control us. Church family, are you ready to partake of the greatest love we've ever known? The world has ever known. Let us examine ourselves. Steve's going to come and play. Let's bow our heads. Have a moment with the Lord and just lay yourself next to Jesus for comparison next to Christ.
came to the Last Supper to institute His Supper, the Lord's Supper. And you can, at this time, grab your cups if you need to come up and grab a gluten-free one. Open the bread side. And he came, and as they were celebrating, the bread that they even had on the table was without yeast. That's why it tastes funny. But for the Jewish people, the yeast represented sin. We celebrate this without yeast because we celebrate that body of Christ that was sinless. And that body of Christ that was sinless was laid down as an offering for the whole world. He says he took and he broke it. He gave thanks for it. And he said, take, eat, this is his body. So let us, let us pray and then we'll partake. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus' love, for your love that was fully manifested in Christ. That that perfect body was broken. And the skin was broken open that the blood may be let out, but Lord, his body, the word says, was not even recognizable as a man. And that body took the stripes I deserve, that we all deserve. But because of those stripes, we're healed. Because of his payment, he took on his body. We're set free. Thank you for that great love. Thank you for the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake. This side is grape juice. And as they were at the supper, Jesus said this to his disciples. He took the cup, we believe is the cup of redemption. He told them to drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And I can tell you, church family, that without blood being shed, there is no forgiveness. This is the only way we're made pure. This is how we're washed. This is how we commune with the Holy God. It's the blood of Christ. Father, we thank you for that blood. Lord, we thank you that you even made it in your law. That the life of the flesh is in the blood. And you've given the blood to make atonement on the altar for souls. Knowing full well in your law in Leviticus, it was going to be your own blood poured out for us. Our purification our way to you, our way back to you, is only through the blood of Christ. 
and there is no other way and we celebrate your rescue plan and we say thank you for Jesus thank you for the blood thank you for the forgiveness of sin in Jesus name Amen Father, we thank you for calling us your children, that we can experience your love, that we could be called out into a deeper love that says to love others like you've loved us. But Lord, we thank you that you will empower that love. You will make that happen as we yield every part of our heart and life to you. So Lord, may your people respond to that great love by laying themselves down. Thank you for that altar. Thank you for that act of worship that is reasonable. That's us as a sacrifice laid before you for your work for your kingdom that we too like Paul could say we no longer live but the life that we live Christ lives in us so Lord let your light shine through us let us be the conduit of your love and help us to get out of the way of ourselves thank you for loving us right where we are and molding us more into the image of Christ in Jesus name amen let us stand and let us worship before our Lord. Come as you are as a song.